Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for Monday, July 2nd, 2018, and we're coming off a pretty news-packed Sunday. Of course, big basketball news, which was Mario Hazonia signing with the Knicks and LeBron James to the Lakers. Uh, what if I just did a 15-minute podcast of just breaking down the Mario Hazonia to the Knicks signing? That would be... A podcast for nobody. Uh, So in terms of LeBron going to the Lakers, it's hard to make too much of a judgment on the team until we see who else they add. So as it's currently constructed, I don't really think this is a great team. I think this team is probably about on par with what the Cavs were last year. Uh, But there's still other pieces that could fall into place. We don't know if maybe the Lakers will bring back Brooke Lopez. Maybe they add DeMarcus Cousins. Obviously, they could trade for Kawhi Leonard. I mean, as the team stands right now, it's built around LeBron, Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, and Brandon Ingram. It's a fine team. They're going to be fun to watch. But I don't think it's a championship caliber team. They probably need to add like Kawhi and then another big man to make that happen. But we'll see. I think it's it's definitely it's definitely a little interesting. I would have preferred if LeBron went to Philly just because I thought that would have been a championship contending team. And I, I think a lot of people assume now that like, oh, wherever LeBron goes, they compete for a championship. Well, if the Lakers don't add other teams, other players to this team, I think it's kind of a lower end playoff team in the West. I still think that for sure the Warriors are better, the Rockets the Wolves, and then other teams that are probably better but not definitely better would be like the Thunder, the Jazz, the Nuggets. But that could that could all change. The The way the Vegas currently sees is actually of the Lakers as the team with the second best title odds in the league, which I really disagree with because I also think that in the East, I think the Celtics and the Sixers are probably better than the Lakers team is right now. That's probably the odds. One, there's a little bit of bias there because Lakers, big market, and LeBron. And then also, I'm sure that, that assumes that Kawhi's going there, which I think he's probably most likely to go to the Lakers. But we could see him in the Sixer in the Sixers uniform next year. I think there's a chance that the Spurs just keep him if they don't get a good enough offer and hope that he re-ups with them. But that's uh, that's kind of my take on the Lakers for right now. Don't think it's a championship team but could be if they add more pieces. So been a good free agency so far, and we'll see what shakes up with that. Uh, getting into the baseball slate for tomorrow, nine games. We've got a bunch of aces. We've got a Coors Field game, so there's some decisions to make. Uh, the two expensive pitchers we have here, Max Scherzer at home against the Red Sox, and we've got Corey Kluber at home, I mean on the road in Kansas City. So of these two, Scherzer has been the better pitcher in terms of fantasy output, averaging about 27 DraftKings points per start versus Kluber at 24. Really, really tough matchup for Scherzer, though. The Red Sox, best team in baseball against right-handed pitching, 119 WRC+. Plus. Those are the lowest strikeout rate in, in baseball, 18.7% against right-handed pitching. For that reason, if I'm paying up for pitcher, I think Kluber's the choice. The, the Royals' offense is... Not very strong at all. Twenty eighth in WRC plus against right handed pitching, seventy nine. They don't strike a they don't strike out a ton, only nineteen point one percent. But just comparing the matchups between the two, the matchup's so much simpler for Kluber than it is for Scherzer that I, I definitely lean towards Klubot in this spot. So on the high end, I think that he's the guy to look for. Uh, going down a little bit, I think Robbie Ray at 9,900 makes sense. He was on a pitch restriction for his first start back, only went 83 pitches. I think we see him back to around his normal 100 pitches for this start. 
And whenever Robbie Ray pitches a lot of DFS upside, he strikes out 13.63 hitters per nine innings this year. He's not some elite top end the rotation starter, 4.01 ERA, 3.78 FIP. But just looking at the strikeout upside, I really think it makes him worth rostering. We've seen some really big fantasy performances from him over the last couple of seasons. And at 9900 I think for the price, one of the higher upside plays on the slate. And the Cardinals offense just kind of middle of the road against left-handed pitching. So Robbie Ray, I think, is a play that makes a lot of sense for this slate. The next guy that I'm looking at is Brent Suter down at 6500 The Twins had a really big game. On Sunday, they were in Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out. It was a crazy game on both ends. The Twins were down 9-1 and came almost all the way back. They ended up losing 11-10, but they did have a runner on second with two outs in the ninth inning and couldn't convert. But if you look at Brent Suter at 6,500, he's somebody who earlier in the season I wasn't really rostering much because he was kind of just an extended bullpen arm who... Most games, we're only seeing him go about five innings or so. But if you look at his last three starts, six innings, seven innings, seven innings, he's gone as high as 105 pitches. And overall, we only need 13 fantasy points from the hit value at 6,500. And he's done that in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight starts in a row. Not a particularly tough match against the Twins, who also see a slight downgrade in the offense because they're traveling to uh, the National League, so they're going to lose the DH. I think Suter at 6,500 makes a lot of sense as a value play. He's not going to be somebody who scores like 30 fantasy points, but for his price, I think he's pretty safe to score around 15 or so and upside to score low 20s, which I think that makes him a good value at that price tag. He's a very sensible, safe play for 6,500. Uh, the last pitcher who I'm looking at, who I think presents a good amount of upside and a lot of risk, is Luis Castillo at 5,700. I've recommended him before. It's gone well sometimes. It's gone poorly. That's how Luis Castillo goes. He has a lot of really shit games, and every once in a while he has a big game with a decent amount of strikeouts. And he's pretty cheap at 5,700. Good matchup against the White Sox, who are now at 20th in WRC plus against right-handed pitching, but also a pretty high 25.1% strikeout rate also going to the National League. So just like with the Twins, pitcher spot instead of the DH, so that should boost the strikeout rate a little bit. And if we look at Castillo, yeah, the numbers overall have not been good this year. 5.85 ERA, 5.03 FIP, but still striking out almost a batter per inning. And then also the swing strike rate is up this year from last year, 13.6%. So the stuff's there. He's generating a ton of swing and misses. But if you watch him pitch, he has the tendency to, one, he struggles once he lets batters get on base. He has not been good out of the stretch this year. But the other thing also is he makes a lot of mistake pitches on 0-2 pitches. He hangs a lot of breaking balls he will sometimes get frustrated if hitters foul off a lot of pitches in a row and he'll just leave a fastball over the middle of the plate but he's somebody who has 25 to 30 fantasy point upside plus matchup at 5700 i'm gonna also have some exposure to the white Sox offense which i'll talk about when i get into the hitters but luis castillo is a pitcher who i think makes a ton of sense for gpp there's a lot of upside there for that price so the offenses i'm gonna start with the white Sox, like i was just saying with castillo Castillo's a boom-bust play, and that means that the White Sox also, boom-bust play. If Castillo does well, then the White Sox aren't going to do well. If Castillo doesn't pitch well and the White Sox could do really well, it's going to be a hitter-friendly environment tomorrow in Cincinnati. The, the White Sox shouldn't have too much ownership. 
because they're generally not a very popular or trendy pick. But I see the upside for them in this matchup. I see the upside for Castillo. I think it's a game that makes a lot of sense to have both sides of. And it creates a nice little hedge also where if you play both sides of this game, I think one of them is probably pretty likely to go off. And you're not going to get killed on the slate. Either the lineups with the White Sox offense or lineups with Castillo and them are going to do well. You don't want to pair them together in the same lineup. But overall, it makes a lot of sense to have some exposure to both sides there. So in terms of higher-end offenses, we have a Coors game. There are the Giants playing in Colorado. We have Madison Bumgarner going for the Giants. I think that Bumgarner is expensive enough that I don't want exposure to him, but then also the Rockies are expensive enough that I don't want exposure to them against Bumgarner. They're kind of priced similar to actually how they were priced against Bumgarner in San Francisco. So if I didn't want exposure to the Rockies offense in San Francisco against Bumgarner, I don't really want exposure to the Rockies offense against Bumgarner in Colorado either. From the Giants side of the game, I think that they're fine to pay up for. Kyle Freeland hasn't been great this year. Uh, There's a couple of plays that do stand out to me as values right now. At sub-4,000 price tags, we have Gorky Hernandez, who's been leading off against lefties for a lot of the season for the Giants, and then Alan Hansen, who's also been hitting towards the top of the lineup as a switch hitter. So even if a righty comes in the game later, it's fine. Hansen switch hits left and right. Both of them, I think, fine value plays for cheap. They're going to be guys who I use as plugs a lot. Other high-end offenses that I'm looking to stack, we have the Cincinnati Reds at home against James Shields. Uh, I know people like to make fun of me for picking on Shields, but the reality is that overall he hasn't been great this season. He has had some good starts, and I will say that he has been better this year than he was last year. 4.29 ERA, 4.43 FIP this year, versus 5.23 and 5.83 last year. Still 5.08 XFIP. He's giving up a ton of hard contact this year. He does get blown up from time to time. So I think it makes sense to stack the Reds' offense here. They are a little bit more expensive than I would like, but still an offense that I like. And then the last offense that I'm looking at is the Yankees at home against Anibal Sanchez. The Yankees offense overall this year against right-handed pitching has been very good. 110 WRC plus a lot of home run upsiding more home runs against righties than any other team in the league. And also coming off a really big Sunday night game against David Price. Anibal Sanchez this year does have a 2.68 ERA, which I'm kind of hoping will lead people away from the Yankees. But looking at some regression, 4.04 FIP, 4.18 XFIP, he has been, yeah, just kind of mediocre so far this year, but really tough spot for Anibal Sanchez going on the road into New York. And another thing also is Sanchez did leave his last start early with, uh, I think it was was it a calf injury? Maybe it was a hamstring or whatever. He wasn't expected to make this start, except he said he felt well enough to pitch after going through a bullpen session. So possibility that we're going to have Anibal Sanchez in the hitter-friendly environment of Yankee Stadium at not 100% against this Yankees offense. I think it's a really good spot to look at the Yankees. And Judge and Stanton are both pretty expensive. But outside of them, there's some relatively cheap Yankee bats that we could target. Uh, Greg Bird has been hitting better as of late. He's going to be at first base against the right-hand pitching. He's in a platoon right now, doesn't usually start against lefties, starts against righties. He's fairly cheap. And then we have uh, Brett Gardner is in the low 4,000s. Aaron Hicks is in the low 4,000s. So Judge and Stanton expensive. Nobody else is 
too, too pricey. Uh, Glaber Torres all the way down to 4,200. That's pretty cheap for him. So I think the Yankees make sense as a stack. I like them. Uh, in terms of my priorities for the offenses, it would probably be Yankees 1, Reds 2, and then White Sox 3, and then uh, Giants kind of more as a secondary and plug plays. So that is going to wrap up the podcast for Monday Slate. Go follow me on Twitter at GArenbergDFS, and I'll be back tomorrow to record a podcast for the Tuesday Slate.